Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first ever episode of Carnival of Randomness, your antidote for nerd culture, weekly inoculation of reality. I'm Zach. This is Rob. Say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Oh, perfect. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you live via satellite delay from Kieran McShane's Grain Mill in beautiful Brigadoon. We were finally able to book studio time before they disappear for another century. The mist is beginning to clear, so we're hoping these wonderful internet waves will be able to reach to you. So let's get right into it. We're titling this one, Is Our Mission Statement Possible? So, Rob, we and I were talking earlier, basically we consider this to be our most boring episode, even though it's the first one. Yeah, because it's an introduction, and we don't like to talk about ourselves. This is for you out there, and we call this an antidote to nerd culture, and why do we call it that? Because... You can't take this too seriously. It's just supposed to be fun. If you like what you like, you like it. Nobody has to be a self-appointed expert on it. And if you like comic books, movies, whatever literature you like, and we use the term genre, which means sci-fi, horror, comic movies, whatever, just in general. But it's for you, and we just want to have fun with it. Unless we not forget, especially when referring to anything as a culture, culture's bacteria. We don't really need that. You know, that's just... No, no thanks. Um, so then I guess, you know, you say the self-appointed experts, I guess it would be, it would behoove us, as it were, to, like, let us know, let people know where we came from, how we got it. Yeah. So how'd you get started in all this I stuff? I got started because, I go back years, I was into comics because my mother was into comics, so I got the first one when I was a kid. I think it was a giant-sized Fantastic Four, it was a story about the Watcher, and the whole team goes back to the colonial times. And I got into that in Silver Surfer, and then there was Gregory the Gravewalker, who was a local horror host, who was played by Jerry Carr, and he became the Phantom of the Theater afterwards when he was on uh, Fox when it came about. But those movies scared the heck out of me. Then I got into, like, WOR and WPX used to have a lot of horror movies, Godzilla movies. I remember Angry Red Planet, which was basically the Martian equivalent of Get Off My Lawn. Oh, yeah. Well, I know, and, you know, because you mentioned that growing up in Pittsburgh, before my time, unfortunately, there was a... A very similar of that uh, Gregory the Gravewalker. It was a uh, Chilly Billy and Chilly Billy and Chiller Theater. It's Chilly Billy Cardell. He was a Pittsburgh legend. He just passed away, I think, a year or so ago. Uh, was also the promoter for Studio Wrestling in Pittsburgh, but he did that same thing. Unfortunately, like I said, my my dad remembers him. My most of the older family members do, but you know, by the time I come around, uh, pretty much Chiller Theater was gone. But Interestingly enough, Chiller Theater forever lived on with uh, SCTV. Uh, Joe Flaherty was one of the few non-Canadians in that show. He was from Pittsburgh, and he based his Count Floyd off of Chilly Billy. It's going to be scary! Exactly, and he I think he had some interviews he did say that he kind of channeled Bill Cardell. And I admit, I always thought that for SCTV, everybody's Canadian, but Joe Flaherty's from Pittsburgh. And now I understand, too, you got into comics because of Archie Comics. Well, it was Archie Comics, and then something hit me as I was thinking about all this stuff last night. Um, And I had to call my cousin Frank, because I remember when I was a little kid, he had this comic that I read called Super Colonel. Have you ever heard of Super Colonel? No, I have not. No, this is su- like, it's not the guy from Kentucky Fried Chicken, is he? <laughs> no, Colonel. It was actually a heroic piece of popcorn. <laughs> and I remember he had all these Super Colonel comics in this big-ass three-ring binder. And I remember reading them as a kid. And I, I, and I wondered if that was the name. So I had to call him last night. 
And we talked for like an hour and just talking about all that stuff, just remembering it. And it's like, yes, super colonel. I do remember that. But also, because uh, I thought like my intro to horror movies came from him and my uncle who were uh, basically, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, evil. Because of the age difference between us, I know he's uh, like 10 years older than me. And I always thought they were the ones that showed me the Chucky movies, but he brought up something that I do remember. When I was about two or three, and kids, you might want to Google this reference, we went to a drive-in movie theater when I was about two or three years old, so the early to mid-1980s. We saw a double feature. The first one was Footloose, and then the second was Cujo. I don't know who in the drive-in theater days paired these movies together. They had together. one worse for me. One time we had to drive in across the street from where I grew up. They had The Rescuers, which was a children's movie. I think it was a cartoon. Look yeah, it up. Yeah, uh, the mice and all The that. second one was The Sentinel, which was a 1970s horror film about Satan in, uh, trying to make a nun kill herself. So that was working well. Maybe the kids would go to sleep after the first one. Well, that was, that was their, their plan. They figure after I watched Footloose, because apparently I was dancing around in the car to the music that I would pass out, but I, I didn't, so I watched Cujo, and the, the funny thing was, and I do remember this distinctly, there was a guy in a pickup truck who had this gigantic St. Bernard. But from what I, I, I mean, obviously the dog just basically stayed in the truck and slept the whole time, but it's the fact that we just watched Cujo, the St. Bernard ravaging this poor family, and there's probably a 180-pound whatever St. Bernard just sitting right there, you know, 100 feet from us. I remember my aunt told my cousin Frank, like, go get popcorn. He was scared shitless to go out and get popcorn because we had of the one. dog. We had one. It was the Island of Dr. Moreau. I consider Island of Lost Souls the best version of Wales' book, but this is the one with Burt Lancaster and Michael York. It was that and Food of the Gods. And the only reason we went was because I showed my friends this classic comic of uh, Food of the Gods. So we go there. We're out there, the window's open, it's a hot night. Somebody throws a piece of popcorn at us, and we look at it and like, ugh, it looks like a larva, and we're afraid it's going to grow into like a giant bug or something. Oh, God. Well, and, you know, we've been, you know, we talk, you know, movies and all that, and but I remember just reading from a young age, I can't remember exactly when, but yes, I'm one of those people that does not own a Kindle. I will not own a Kindle. I like books. I like to feel them. I agree, too. And I miss the days of the old... I used to live in Washington for a while, and you go down to DuPont Circle and just comb the bookstores. It would be... Something's lost these days where, yes, it's good to go online, get something for a bargain, but something about the hunt. It's like, wow, look, they have this. Well, and on that, with everything going digital now, what do you think is the future of comics? Uh, I've heard from a lot of people who collect, and I'll do a little background here, is I remember going to a drugstore by my house, and I remember getting Tales to Astonish with Deathlock, but then I moved on to Empire Comic, and God bless Tony, wherever he is, he passed away like five years ago, and my store is gone, but I had like a 30-year association with it, and he used to say, I stay open for you guys, because I sell so much online, a lot of people, Mike, who's probably going to be one of our guest hosts at times, now nowadays he reads a lot of them online and digital, and I think it's too bad. Yeah, so that's what I've always, you know, feared uh, is that with everything going digital, there's just not going to be any records. And to quote Ed Harris from a movie I saw recently, you know, we're all just pieces. You know, we're all bits of dust. You know, when society yeah. somebody digs us up in a thousand years, there's not going to be any evidence that's that we were I'm ever here. I'm afraid of. I'm going to be one of these guys who down the line seems like, oh, he's the old curmudgeon. It's like, get off my lawn because I can't. Some of the new stuff is just not appealing to me. 
Well, and on the, I guess on the comic note, comic cons, um, there's been a lot of flack in the media lately with uh, comic cons in certain areas of the country. Uh, I'm not going to say who or where, but I think, you know, if you take to Google, you'll figure it out. But it's just, it seems that a lot of them have just been going downhill. And, you know, I know that you were a comic con man for many a year back when they actually, God forbid, were based solely on comic books. Back in the day, one time at the store at Empire Comics, we got into one of these crazy conversations about comics, like where we took it way too serious. And Tony starts looks at us and goes, guys, it's just a comic book. And back in the day when we had comic cons, you would go in, pay a couple dollars, there'd be some guests there. We had Jim Sellicrup, Mark Badger, and many like that, and there would be comics, and you could find, I remember I feel really bad still, I bought uh, Ghost Rider and Iron Man number one from somebody who had to sell them really cheap because he owed rent, so I feel bad about it a little, but... Do you, you know, really, though? Yeah, okay, no, I don't. Yeah, you, you did for me. <laughs> I got a bargain. But they were fun, and we had cake, we had raffles, and these days, I think the term would be, but- you're paying so much money to shop. Well, and that's, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past, and it's basically, you know, you go to these shows, because really they're they're shows now, you know, pop culture shows. That's what they should be called more, I think. Yeah, pop culture gatherings. But you have to pay, you know, upwards of like $25 to $50 just to get in the door. Yeah. And, like, the one thing I said to you, it's like going to the mall, paying 20 bucks yeah. to go in, and then spend more you money. You have to understand this now. Obviously, they have to pay guests. The guests have a guarantee, but that's why you pay for the autographs. Right. And that's why some prices fluctuate so much. If you get a big-name star, they're going to charge you more for the autograph because they have to price it based on what they think is going to sell to meet the guarantee that these these guests have. Now, one of the opinions I had is San Diego is always supposedly the gold standard of Comic-Cons. But I've heard, and the authority on this that I heard this from is Mark Andreco, who, check him out if you don't know him, he's a really good uh, comics creator. But he said the one in Brazil is a lot more friendly to the creators, to fans. Now, some people who've never done comics or any of that might not agree because they've heard San Diego, San Diego, but... That's the opinion of people in the industry who are in the know, so I go with that. Well, that was the one thing. It was just the uh, the entry fee that turned me off from one because there was a show somewhere in Ohio, and I wanted to go see it because Bruce Campbell was going to be there. And come on, it's Bruce Campbell. But it was, you know, like 45 or it was 50 bucks to get in the door and then 45 for a thing on top of that. So you're dropping almost 100 bucks. For like a minute interaction with somebody, yeah, and to me that just that's just too much. I don't understand why you have to charge so much to get in the door. And again, you don't take it seriously. Like that, there's a story that goes back to John Pertwee, who was the third Doctor in Doctor Who, and he said he was asked by fans one time, "How did it feel to meet the Ice Warriors? How did you feel when the Daleks were on?" He said, "How did it feel? Let's get the shot and go to lunch." It's, I enjoy doing the show, but it's a show. It's not real. And I've had the privilege of meeting Mr. Bruce Boxleitner, and a fan asked him one time, well, did you really get into the character? And it's like, for him, which character? Tron, Scarecrow. Well, exactly. But it was uh, Captain Sheridan on Babylon 5, which is a really great show. And he said, no, I don't, and between chewing gum, because he chews gum voraciously. Uh, no, I never really got into uh the characters, it's a job. I like it, but it's a job. And that's what I say is enjoy it, but 
don't take it for more than it is. And at cons like that, some people just take it so seriously, too. Well, that's, you know, and we're going to get into this in some later dates as well, but, like, movies. I mean, we've all been to movies, and we've seen the people that dress up like characters, you know, outside of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, you go to a Star Wars movie, and people are dressed up in costume. It's like, I, I don't understand it, you know. And and people get upset at movies. Like, we saw Infinity War. Yeah. And guess, you know what? If a movie's out on, it's out on DVD, It's going to be it? out in a couple weeks. I have it written down because I'm going to buy it. <laughs> What, Infinity War? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, like second week of August. All right, second week of August. So basically by the time you get around to listen to this, it's out on DVD. So I feel if a movie is out, there's there's no spoiler alert thing. Oh, you can read the thing. comics because actually it follows the comic pretty well. But at the end of the movie when everything goes poof, people are crying. And I said, okay, they're not going to make a sequel. To, I won't say the characters, but they're not going to make a sequel to some of these movies. They were huge. Well, exactly. So they, they kill off... You know, Lots of characters. Yeah, spoiler alert, but like I say, you no don't have to mention the characters. Though. No, I'm not. No, I don't remember who lived and who didn't, but. You're vanishing. Oh, Christ. <laughs> you know, but they have sequels planned for everybody, and they have. They announced the Infinity War. They won't sequel. give the title because I guess the Russo brothers said that if they say the title, it's going to be a spoiler. But I can go back. I actually. Watched uh, years ago, my friend and I. This is I'm ancient, okay. We went to see Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Now, when we went, it sold out, so we went to a pizza place. And I mentioned this because the owner was talking about how a duck somehow got into his pants. I don't know how. So we go to the movie, and this was at the old. <laughs> yeah, it was true. And we we're like, "How did this come? How did this come up?" The other day, how I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got, got my pajamas? pajamas I'll, I'll never know. know. But people, and obviously, you know, Spock died. He got better. Uh, but spoiler alert, yeah, just in case you don't know, what's that 30 uh, some odd years later? People were crying. Now, one of my friends said at one at the showing of The Last Jedi, and maybe they were mad because of how bad the movie was. That's <sighs> my opinion. Uh, and you'll hear that later on in a different podcast. Uh, but people were banging the walls, crying, and surprise, surprise. Now, spoiler alert, Mark Hamill will be back in the next movie. Well, that's what I mean. Like, people are like, oh, Mark Hamill. If you go to Hollywood, you're going to run into him. He's fine. Yeah, more or you less. Know, more, well, more or less, depending on that movie. I but. guess his house flooded years ago, so he had that problem. But that actually raises an interesting point, because when you said you saw The Wrath of Khan, that was, what, 19... Don't... I don't want to even say it. I'm well, too let's old, just but say... Like 83, 83. 84. But you think that's pre-internet days. So maybe it was a little more acceptable... It's like the whole Gilligan's Island thing. I had thing. people because one of the other things I was, I used to go to Worldwide News every Sunday, which was, seemed like when you're a kid, everything is there. You get wrestling magazines, comics. Fangoria. Fangor. Shout out to Kerry O'Quinn. He's very nice. Oh, uh, yes. Lovely Starlog, man. Famous Monsters. But I would, and that's how you would find out that because there's no internet. But there were letters in Starlog where people were going through serious depression and problems because of Spock being dead. It's like, if you want to meet Leonard Nimoy, watch the insurance sort of. Uh, see him. I think none of Nemo is fine. Well, and you know, it's like the Gilligan's Island thing. You know, when uh, you know there, I guess there were hundreds of letters sent to like the Coast Guard and the Navy. Like, why aren't you rescuing these people? Or uh, to throw out in Mash when uh, Henry Blake's plane went down. Spoiler alert. You know, it's only thirty some odd years past, but they had to actually air 
a scene the following day after he quote unquote died with him in a rowboat all sooty saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, because people were that upset. But I think in the days pre-internet, maybe it made a little more sense. I mean, we use the term a little bit, and Zach came up with this fan dumb because yeah. it's like, okay, please. Add a B. Yes. And actually, when Forrest Gump came out, the University of Alabama was swarmed with people who wanted to buy the yearbook of the year he was there. Yeah. You know, and it's. Neil Gaiman has said that people thought that his endless was a real religion, and that William Shatner said a lot of people think Star Trek's a future history. Well, and that's what I mean. And, you know, I guess while it's good that they can convince people that, people need to calm down. Yeah, and I mean, you can have a good fan. I mean, the world can be rough. I mean, I didn't enjoy school, uh, I was not the most popular at the time, and I had all my hobbies and everything, but you don't. Get drifted into a world. There was a story from the, if you ever read Carl Sagan's book, The Demon Haunted World, there was a story, I believe the man's name was Keith Allen. He was a brilliant physics student in the 1950s. He came up with a fantasy world with fairies, everything, all like Lord of the Rings type stuff. The psychiatrist tried to draw him out. And what happened is you go into the world, show him it's absurd. Turned out Allen was just this brilliant guy who made all this stuff up. The scientists started believing it. Well, that's and that and that amazes me that well I guess the ultimate thing would be L. Ron Hubbard and uh, what has become Scientology. Yeah. Oh, Zenu, the galactic cocker, seventy-five million years ago, brought people to Earth, put them around a volcano, dropped an H bomb, and they released stadiums, which are evil spirits. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. well, what's the story? Like he did it to win a bet. The story like, that he goes that we create could a, never, a religion. We could never prove this, but it was some conference in the nineteen forties where he made a bet with somebody who said, "I can invent my own religion." Which sounds a lot like Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos in a way. It's too bad that one didn't take off like Scientology did. No, but, I mean, Invasion Earth isn't bad, is it? I really even read it. I heard the books aren't bad. I, I, I never actually read it, to be honest. I remember seeing the no. movie. That's one thing we have to say. We do not purport to know everything. We love to hear stuff we don't know, so write to well, us. Oh, yeah. And, and, and speaking of that, shameless plug time, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, since we're just coming up and running, uh, right now the only thing that really works, uh, find us on Facebook. Uh, Carnival of Randomness, uh, and then eventually we're going to have, you know, a blog is in the works. We're going to upload all this stuff everywhere, YouTube, yada, yada, yada. We're going to go everywhere. We're going to take over. But right now, if you have anything that – the one thing I like, on Facebook, give us a comment, things that you know that we should know. Or if there's anything you want to hear about, too, because we're not infinite in our wisdom of what we're going to talk about. Oh, I don't know about We're going to have an evil clown down the line if that's You clown. leave. He's the doctor of clownometry. He is yes. a Ph.D. from what's a good clown college? <laughs> Bozo U. Yeah, Bozo U. Oh, God. And the other word, talking about not taking it serious, back on Marathon Man, I guess, uh, Dustin Hoffman was a method actor, is a method actor, whatever. But he would, to play his character, he would, when he was on Midnight Cowboy, he would put rocks in his shoes so he limped. For Marathon Man, he wouldn't sleep for days. And Lawrence Olivier, who was easily in the top five greatest actors oh, ever. No, no doubt. He said that, uh, I would put him up, him and Marlon Brando for me. And Olivier looked at Hoffman and goes, try acting, dear boy. It's so much easier. <laughs> You know, so well, he's absolutely right. You know, and the, one of the things we want to do is we're going to get stuff wrong, but we try to do our research. We've grown up with this. We're not going to just regurgitate you Wikipedia facts. Well, and uh, and another thing is, this is going to frighten some of you people as more of this comes out. I used to be a teacher. I molded young minds or put mold on young minds. I can't figure it out. 
But the one thing I always learned is if you don't know something, don't make it up. I, I was free. I'm the first to admit when I don't know something. And feel free to correct us yeah. if we, because sometimes we're just going from our heads and we don't just look it up and tell you this and not know what we're talking about. Because we know we don't know what we're talking about most of the time. Well, what we don't know, we make up. But correct us. Send us stuff on Facebook. Uh, even email carnivalofrandomness at gmail.com. And if you, you give us something interesting, hey, we'll throw you a shout out on the air. And we were going to have, and this is going to be very prestigious down the line, the Rando Award. That's right. So look for a prestigious Rando Award for, I don't know, something. Whatever we think of, but they'll, you will want one. I trust you. But one of the questions, too, is why do a podcast? Well, exactly. In this day and age, everybody and their mother seems to have a podcast. You know, literally, what, tens, hundreds of thousands of these things. So why throw another one into America's already bloated podcast hole? Basically because most of the ones out there are terrible. Yeah, it's true. I mean, did you have something to say? You wanted to hear about beer, didn't you? Well, there's a beer podcast, and you would think it's a beer podcast. They're going to talk about beer. They're going to describe what they're drinking. They're going to give you beer tips. No, it turned out they open a beer, maybe mention what they're drinking, and then give a 45-minute story about taking their dog to the park. I'm sorry. I don't care. I want to know about beer. That's why I'm listening to your podcast. And that's a thing for us. We're not always going to talk about stuff you like. If you like it, listen to us. If you don't like it, convince your friends to listen to us as a joke. And we are random, so we've talked about a lot of the topics we're going to talk about. That's what we're into. But we might talk about recipes. We might talk about pizza. We like, love literature, so we're going to talk yeah, about a lot of that. Literature, recipes. Pro gar- wrestling, uh, we're going to bring yeah, up. Yeah, pro wrestling, gardening. Yeah, gardening, which if any of you guys help, I'm not very good at. Yeah, exactly. But I one of the thing, problems I find with podcasts, too, is so much time, it's just about me, me, me. I mean, we're talking about ourselves because it's the intro. We will not be doing this again. But the host, a lot of times, I've seen, like, podcasts where they have a wrestler on where the host knows nothing about wrestling. Uh, and they just talk about themselves. And it's, I don't care. I'm not that interesting. I mean, maybe or, Zach's interesting. No, I I, I'm, I'm really not. Um I just seem interesting, but I'm rather rather dull. But, but yeah, like if you have a guest on, one, you want to have a guest that people care about. Yeah, and there's some, I mean, you know, the Internet's been called the idiot village at times. And some of the people who get even a following, it's like, why? Well, it's like you get all these YouTube quote-unquote, I hope the lack of visual is not uh, limiting you on my perception of air quotes, these YouTube personalities that – I, I can't get behind. Like, I don't really I, – I feel no empathy towards them. I feel no affinity towards them. So why would I want to listen to them? Well, I mean, I have a face for the radio and a voice for silent movies, so I'm very humble about this. I'm not saying I'm great or anything, but I'm going to try. And there's a band out there. Check them out if you ever see them, if they come around, called the Whiskey Daredevils. They're fun, and their slogan is always – we hope we were a little better than you expected. That's what we hope for. We hope that for whatever, half hour, 45 minutes, you tune in. Maybe that there's something you're interested in. Go find it. Or there's a point, topic you've never heard of. Or there's something you like and you're just thinking, yeah, that's what I like. And here's the thing. We're not a charity case. We're in this to better ourselves, you know. We'll work hard. You work hard for your money. We'd work hard for your money. Yeah, we're going to work hard for your money, you know. So don't feel shy about that, you know. It's like, you know, praise is great to quote the late, great wrestling manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, in reference to praise is great, you know, adoration is great, but you wouldn't offend me with cash. 
No, not at all. And it's like, I mean, charities are very good, though, too. And that's, I think, from Comic-Cons, I'm not going to. And from now on, I won't pay $20, $30. I'll donate them to a worldly charity instead. And they're not charities. Well, exactly. So, And we do have charities that we donate to. And, you know, every now and then we might throw one out there. Just people that we actually appreciate. And we know they work if you're into it. Yeah, exactly. And I know not every, I mean, I don't have a lot of money. A lot of people don't have a lot of money. You do what you can. That's all. You do what you can. And you know what? Even if you just listen to us and tell a couple friends, that's what we want. Yeah. We want to entertain you. Just remember, we're here for you guys. And one of the things is we are random, so you don't know what we're going to toss out is the great and unfortunately departed Roddy Piper said, just when you think you know the answer, we change the question. So one of the things we do sometimes is we recommend books to read. If you'd like to recommend right. one, I'll recommend one. Yeah, well, go ahead. You got yours. Well, on. Bernard Cornwall is a very good writer of historical fiction. What's great about him is he always, he takes real characters and disperses them with uh, fictional characters. And at the end, he has a historical note explaining the situation. And he has many series out, the Sharp series, the Norse Saga, which is The Last Kingdom on TV. His most recent book is called Fools and Mortals. And it's about the beginning of theater. Now, there has been theater since ancient Greece, but this was around 1595 was the dawning of theaters brick and mortar where they started building them and it tells the story of william shakespeare's writing romeo and juliet and midsummer night's dream and a plot by another evil theater group to steal them and his sort of caddish brother who's sort of involved but actually doesn't want to do it and it's really interesting and afterwards cornwall says this fact which is interesting now i would say that shakespeare wrote his plays you can do the research but did you know that we have six living surviving signatures of william shakespeare's name he spells Shakespeare differently in every six, in every one of them, and uh, none of them are spelled Shakespeare. So that's a mystery. Maybe his name was like uh, Fred. It wasn't it the the old thing is Sir Francis Bacon had something. Yeah, to but do with I it? I believe just from the research, I I think because they say Shakespeare's background, he could never have done this. This is for the common people at the time. Yeah, and they would have showings for royalty once they had the theater, but this is for anybody who was like. Bobby Heenan again for you, Ham and Eggers. Let's Ham and Eggers. Yeah, Ham and Eggers. Well, for me, uh, I my bookshelf. God forbid the FBI ever raids my house because they're going to see some weird. I have to interject for a second. They interviewed me when I was working in Washington, and I had to pass security clearance, so they came to my apartment when I was in college. And sitting up there on the bookshelf is a copy of Marx's Communist Manifest. It was sticking out. This was Cold War days. Oh, great. You know, why not just throw in Mein Kampf while you're at it? Well, I remember a cop actually came over one time because uh, I don't know what it was. I think my mom did something because she was a speed demon. But I have all these books out like about like Hitler because I'm doing a paper. And I'm trying to say, he's like, Hitler? Like, I, I'm doing research. Well, exactly. Well, for me, uh, a book I read very recently with a very dear friend of mine, uh, it's called Luca the War Dog, L-U-C-C-A. Not the Suzanne Vegas song. No. By, uh, I think it's Maria Godovich. Godovich, I can't, I don't know how you pronounce her name. I apologize if she randomly is listening to this one. But uh, it's one of those books, it's about, um, you know, the war dogs in... Uh, I think this one is I, the first Iraq war or the, the Afghan war, and it's Luca the German Shepherd, her journey. Uh, unfortunately, you know, she passed away of uh, health issues last year, but it's going to tug at your heartstrings. It's very well written, but you know what? It's, it's a part of the military that we don't really 
a lot of people don't really understand is just how these dogs are classified and the bond that they have with their soldiers. Oh, my dad, like, he, in World War II, he was in Japan. He had a German Shepherd Duke, and he had to leave him in Japan, I think, for quarantine reasons, whatever. And it bothers him to this day. But I remember the Romans had, I think, uh, they bred wolfhounds because they used to use boxers. But I don't know when officially the War Dog program started either. Officially? Well, I know uh, there's another book I'll throw out there. It's called K9 Korea, K-9. And it talks about, like, the early days in the Korean War leading up to Vietnam. But I, I know they used dogs in... Uh, I want to say the Civil War. Think so, but I'm but not sure. There's one See, for you. There we go. If you know this, tell there's us. one for you. Somebody take to Wikipedia. And we're not going to go to Wikipedia. We're not going to Wikipedia. This. Post it on the Facebook page, Carnival of Randomness. You know where did the War Dog program officially? Not you know just they had dogs, but officially begin. It's the only thing I know is I think because of World War One or two, that's how boxers came to America. Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. I'm staring out the window now. And it appears that the mist is beginning to roll in, which means Brigadoon's about to disappear for... I think I see Fred Astaire. Oh. Donnie Most? That was, that's a family guy thing. Sorry about that. But, so, I guess that's, we're going to wrap it up here so we can get out of here before the village disappears for another century because we actually want to do another one of these. So this podcast today brought to you in part by... Here, hang on, let me see. It's a... Uh, Johnson's Peach Pit Delivery Service. Why would you have to order peach pits? Well, if you needed them, you wouldn't have to ask, now would you? And good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Exactly. So for all of us here at Carnival of Randomness, the mist is now beginning to come in a little more around the lovely town of Brigadoon. If next century you get a chance, swing by, say hello. Tell Tell them we were here. Say hi to Kieran McShane if he's still around. Join us next week. See what other random crap we're going to throw around at you. And, uh... Well, I suppose that'd be that. And have fun. Bye.